It's showtime. Okay, Tokyo, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing, and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. Here we go, off and running on this 23rd day of January 2023. This is, oh, 12323. This is the horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, wacky, zany, real time, madcap multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, all time zones in between, and the great globe round, and whatever time it is when you're listening to the podcast. And, hey, whatever time you choose to listen to the podcast, thank you. Thank you so much for listening live, listening to the podcast, wherever, whenever, however you listen, and being part of this extraordinary little radio community that is almost almost 20 years old. Imagine that. I mean, didn't... Didn't start out that way, but shoot, we didn't know if it would last a week. But here we are, one of the longest continuously running progressive broadcasts in the entire United States. A lot of firsts for the horn. We've also uh, spent devoted more time to uh, issues relating the uh, relating to the uh, uh, Appalachian apocalypse, mountaintop removal, than any other broadcast outlet ever anywhere. And uh, I'm proud of that. But anyway, if you do happen to pop by uh, yonder chat room, you will be greeted by early arrivers, the early arrivers in this case being folks who arrived before the tardy bell. Uh, who am I kidding? There's no tardy bell. But hey, Theo, and hey, Squeaky, hey, New Jersey Nick, hey, Anatole, and hey, Alien Jimmy. Good to see you all. Glad to have you here for this beginning of the week, this Moran Monday. And it so is. And we will deal with that in due time. Of course, if you pop into the chat room, you will be, of course, capably moderated by longtime inveterate, indefatigable veteran chat room moderator Sparky, who, although he is a third stage guild navigator, has declined to fold space and become man cave. He is capably assisted by horn chief mathematician, um, chief agronomist, and uh, bud trimmer emeritus Roger in Oregon. Uh, hi. I'm Robin, and every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different, and so thanks go out to our uh, 23rd day 
of the month subscribers. And that means, in particular, come on, cooperate. Uh, in particular, that means thank you kindly to uh, uh, our pals at Mellow Moonlit Meadow, as well as to Felicia, formerly of Nebraska, now of Southern California. Thank you, Colin. Um, thank you, uh, Harold, President and CEO of Sotstris, the secret open carry Happy Trails Roundup Society. Thank you, Karen. Uh, thank you to Tracy out in L.A. Uh, thank you one and all for being partial sponsors of the program and helping to keep this little independent broadcast effort on the air. Uh, I also need to extend thank yous to the uh, post office crew. You know, there, you can you can keep help you can help out with the program via PayPal, via Patreon, Venmo, Cash App, uh, and also by the United States Postal Service. And thanks go out uh, to a dear friend of long standing, uh, anonymous in nature. Thank you so much for the have a show on me. Uh, thank you to our pal Dennis in Columbus. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you so very much. Thanks to Brandon and Fennell in Brooklyn. And I have a new thank you because uh, we, I heard from somebody for the first time, and it came with some lovely correspondence. Uh, I hope you will know who you are uh, from the text. I don't know if if I, it's okay to use your name. Let me Send me an email or something. Let me know somehow if I can. Um, our new friend writes, and I love correspondence like this. Miss Robin, it is bitter cold here in Utah. I hope you are all well. And Scott in San Diego, I hope, I so hope that you are listening because this is going to speak to your soul. My next door neighbor, who has since passed, was Garner Ted Armstrong's bagman. Oh, oh my goodness. A bit of beer, he told stories on the back porch, he literally put the offerings into the bag, traveled with Garner Ted Armstrong around the world, etc. The stories about Garner Ted Armstrong were funny, strange, and alarming. We and Mahub's partners spent many a night with the bagman in conversation. Bagman's third wife, still living, is my next-door neighbor. Wait for this. This is the coolest radio community that has ever existed on planet Earth. Bagman's third wife, still living, is my next-door neighbor. She is besties with Stevie Nicks, who went to junior high where my kids and grandkids attend. Ever so often, there's a limo on this quiet street. Stevie is in town. Having left and survived a cult... I wanted to offer my thoughts. It is not an easy leaving. I am no one. I know bone cold. And so I thank you for that. And it was accompanied, this correspondence, by a poem. And I think we all know that I'm a total poetry girl. I'm a fan of poetry. Um... The title of the poem is, It is Not an Easy Leaving. 
The chameleon mountains pull hard at the years of my life spent grounded deep in this home. Our laughter has stained the kitchen's green paint like smoke from a frying pan. No washing gets it out. The farm, this farm, is soaked with life, burdened large with effort and struggle which now covers the ground as harvest. Potatoes fall from the shovel covering me with black dirt. Gunny sacks bulge with produce and gleaming apples and yellow squash pile high in the wheelbarrow. Growing can't be stopped here, not even my own. I'm torn away like the potatoes pulled from sucking earth. I am the dark clods of dirt, crumbling down upon themselves, earth to earth, and dark red vibrant fruit, seed ready to be planted elsewhere. And as I go, the black loam clings to my branches and withered vines, and I shudder deep as I'm dropped from the shovel. It is not an easy leaving. That's probably the that's probably the twentieth or thirtieth time that I've read that poem. It is so so profound and so moving. I I cannot thank you enough, and thank you for helping out keeping the program on the air. Thank you so very much indeed. I can't wait to hear from you again, and let me and let me know if we can just a first name. If I can just use a first name. Because, uh, curiously, it's a name that I'm considering when I, go, when I finally do go and get all the name change stuff done. Um, it's gonna, it, it may very well be part of my name. Because it was uh, my great-grandmother's middle name. So, thank you for that. As it stands, the fundraising goal is just today. Just today, 300 bucks, and we'll be caught up and even. <clears throat> so thanks, everybody. Um, by the way, uh, to get us started, Steve in New York is uh, putting a $10 Who Day Let's Go Bengals challenge on the table. Uh, if you would, care, if you want to push back uh, in in favor of. Uh, uh, in, in favor of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, feel free. Some good football over the weekend. Playoff football is always. And, well, there they were. <laughs> I got my wish. 19 to 12. I'm sure that Roger and Sparky and the entire uh, West Coast gang or you know, Bay Area Northward gang are happy about uh, the, San, uh, the, the the Niners taking out the Cowboys and well it was and uh, man the Eagles looked like a juggernaut but let's not talk talk sports especially because we've got ah damn it breaking news that kind of breaking news thank you Darlene Darlene in Connecticut sending this along. Uh, thanks for the link. I'd, I'd just seen the alert. Um, two students have been killed in an outbreak of Second Amendment freedom at a charter school in Des Moines. Um, and this sounds creepy as hell. 
Des Moines police who have close ties to the campus say they have multiple potential suspects in custody. Holy crap. Multiple potential suspects. Um, the charter school itself was for disadvantaged youth. And that meant the and the, that meant that the cops had a heavy presence. It was about oh um, ten minutes till two Eastern time. Uh, starts right here is the name of the school. When the officers showed up, they found two students and an adult, all wounded. Uh, the wounded school employee is said to be in stable condition. Sergeant Paul Perizic of the Des Moines PD said that uh, there was nothing random about this. It was certainly a targeted incident. As far as motive, that's something we're going to try to figure out. And witnesses provided a police description of a fleeing car that officers tracked down. The car was pulled over about two miles south of the school. Two people surrendered immediately while a third mm, took off. A third person was captured with the help of a canine uh, unit. And of course... That comes on the heels of what happened over the weekend when Second Amendment freedom broke out in Monterey Park, California. God, these endless litanies. Eleven dead in Monterey Park at a Lunar New Year celebration at a ballroom dance studio. And then early Sunday morning, Twelve people got shot in a uh, juke joint in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Stan. Because, well, freedom. Right? Freedom. You know, Wolverines. Not making fun. You got to figure that the 72-year-old man who shot up the dance studio on the Lunar New Year celebration, uh, none of the people he murdered were under 50. He, again, like I said, was 72. And there's every reason in the world to surmise that he was, in fact, a lawful gun owner. And then he, uh, when he pulled the trigger, began pulling the trigger, he stopped being a lawful gun owner. The L fell away, and he was just an awful gun owner, which is what happens to uh, uh, lawful gun owners who decide to, you know, because that's the moment you go from lawful to awful. Um Sergeant Paul Perizic said, these are supposed to be our safe spaces in this school in particular. It's one that the police department works very closely with. The school is designed to pick up the slack and help kids who need the help the most, the ones who aren't getting the services they need for a variety of different reasons. To have it happen here, it's going to be a horrible impact on the community. Well, 
I, I, I certainly don't doubt anything that the police sergeant says. It sounds like a probably truthful statement. And, of course, the same thing that we say every time one of these godforsaken incidents takes place, one of these national bloodlettings, precisely nothing is going to happen. If we had more Democrats in the House and the Senate, in governor's offices and in state houses, something might be done about it. But we don't. And we have one of the two major political parties actually steadfastly believing that some pasty-faced, doughy, paranoid white guy's access to deadly firearms is more important than, say, a ninth grader getting to be a tenth grader or a twelfth grader actually getting to graduate high school. Or an entire room full of fourth graders getting to become fifth graders. And on, and on, and on. And they will, and, and, and they will defend to the death their devotion to this cult of blood and maiming and death. Y'all, it's wearisome. And that sounds, that's just wrong. Um, for me to even say it's just so bone deep painful so bone deep traumatic so bone deep grief inducing God, God, God yeah, our buddy Irish Dave in the chat room noting, you know, Lunar New Year you know, Tet. Tet. That Tet. And so, uh, the shooter appeared to be Vietnamese. Uh, he may or may not have been targeting other Asian ethnicities. I don't know. I guess we'll find out more. The LAP, LAPD are saying, you know, we're still searching for a motive. Well, it seems like his motive was he wanted to kill people. A lot of people. And succeeded in the process. So I guess we'll, we'll, somehow or another, we'll move on from that to other madness. Um, by the way, uh, Dennis and Columbus noted, noted uh, uh, subject on being woke. It's better than being asleep, asterisk. Like the, Repu like the Republicans... Yeah, they're asleep in a they're asleep in a nightmare of their own making. That they don't even seem to think is much in the way of a nightmare. 
So that means we have to go on and look into... Uh... Oh, it is Moran Monday, so let's at least start with a... Let's start with a Moran. A straight up, out and out, no kidding, no two ways about it, Moran! It... Well... You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. You know, morons. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up. You will not believe your ears. It's Moran Monday on the horn. That's right here, mere steps away from the Carnival Midway, where only moments ago you were vainly throwing ping-pong balls at goldfish bowls in a, an unexplainable desire to take home precious baby iguana. That's right, that's right, right here. We've got it all for you. Behind this thin cybernetic veil of canvas, we've got all the Morans estab- uh, 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 gathered together for you. Pressed down, shaken together. Yes. Birthers, deathers, ninthers, tenthers, birchers, booger eaters, libertarians, maggots, republicans, each and every one a moran. That's right, that's right, for less than a cost of a half a stick of chewing gum per show. You can uh, help keep Moran Monday, the, the tent visiting town to town to town. Just jump right in over at headon.live. The PayPal button's there. Click the thing that says make this a recurring donation. Put in $10 and boom, done. We sure do need, uh, we certainly do need lots of new subscribers. It would be wonderful. And, of course, there's always a challenge on the table, courtesy of our friend Zed Niwa, who will double your first month's contribution. $10 becomes 20 up to a total of five new subscribers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Zed. Of course, as you enter the Moran Monday tent, we do advise people to please keep a close hand on wallets, purses, bracelets, rings, various and sundry forms of baubles, bangles, jewelry, necklaces, ankle bracelets, piercing jewelry, purses, European-style messenger bags, children, small animals, and even that precious iguana that you won God knows how throwing ping pong balls at goldfish balls. Because after all, being right-wing morans, they can get grabby. Head for the hills, or you'll be up to your armpits and morans. And it's a fact. It's a fact. You know, uh, I, I try not to uh, work Todd and Stephen Georgistan's corner, but well, sometimes a girl can't help it, and this is one of those days. It was, it was, it, it, apparently it was uh, forgot to take the meds day on C-SPAN Washington Journal today, when a Republican called and was, of course, incensed about Kamala Harris, the Vice President of the United States. Yes. Kamala Harris apparently is entirely too pleasant. And compared to the likes of Mike Pencil, Net Geek, or God knows, uh, back in the days of 
Count Dicula, Darth Cheney before you know Dick Cheney before he dicks you. Uh, she is downright peppy, but oh, that certainly did get under this particular maggot's skin. Certainly did. Let's check in with the tail of the digital recording. Notice I didn't say tape. First to our Republican line, Rory is in Rancho Santa, Margar Santa Margarita, California. Good morning. Two things I think Harris will never be competent. And if the 25th Amendment is, is used against uh, Biden, then she might become uh, the president. At that point, I'm wondering, can she vote in the Senate as the tiebreaker still or not? So I think uh, the 25th Amendment will get rid of Biden and then she may be impeached, and then you'll get a Republican who is now the head of the House. That's all I got to say. What would she be? What would she be impeached on, Rory? What do you think she'd be impeached Incompetence. on? Incompetence, always laughing uh, like a fool, and never doing anything, spending money on things that don't go. She and they need to close. I mean, really put real barriers, if necessary with guns to stop aliens from coming over, especially the drug cartels, more than uh, the, the people who want a better life. It shall be uh, done. All right, to Carl in Lebanon. You know, or not to Carl. Yeah, Rory, Rory was up early, and my goodness gracious, he was I mean, you got to figure, he was probably calling in at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning out there, and Rancho Santa Margarita, or whatever. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. I love it when maggots bring up the 25th Amendment. It's almost like that they were in a coma for four years between, say, January 2017 and January 2021. Damnedest thing. Because it, it, it just tickles my brain to hear 25th Amendment... When we here on this program, as you know full well, uh, because many of you were here at the time, we talked about the 25th Amendment a lot. We picked it apart word by word. We, Oh, we parsed the 25th Amendment within an inch of its life and showed chapter and verse why something should have been done about Nitwit Nero. Then, of course, we found out we were way out in front of the curve, like we were on a straight road, when it turned out that there were 25th Amendment conversations taking place within Nitwit Nero's own cabinet, but they just didn't seem to be able to find the intestinal fortitude. They couldn't, as um, Lady McBee said uh, in the Scottish play, screw their courage to the sticking place. I just couldn't do it. He, uh, but Rory wants to get rid of Joe Biden for reasons that really don't fully seem to have a basis in reality. There's a lot of basis in reality for Nitwit Nero. Joe Biden has a stutter. And that apparently is impeachable, uh, according to, or, or at least removable under the 25th Amendment. 
And I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe Rory is like that old monk from the name of the Rose who hates laughter. And what is this? Uh, uh, Vice President Harris is incompetent. Always laughing like a fool. And never doing anything. Spending money on things that don't go. Don't go where? Don't what? Well, like I said, they get up early and they try to get the call in before the meds kick in. And, uh... They've been, they've been barking and grunting about her laugh, the white-wingers and maggots have, uh, for the entirety of the Biden administration. Which, by the way, became two years old uh, over the weekend. Uh, Saturday, to be precise. And I'm still pretty happy. I'm still pretty happy with the Biden administration. I don't know necessarily... Um, the documents thing is beginning to make my spidey sense is tingling so hard that to, it feels like my it, 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 it's that whole leg went to sleep tingle feeling except it's all over my entire body how does that happen honestly I don't know Well, Morans, you're gonna you're gonna have them, and we're gonna talk about them. Uh, Billable Rick says Washington Journal caller. Uh, that dude Rory who called the Washington Journal today was definitely wasted away in Rancho Santa Margaritaville. Oh, well played. Here, little jingle. Wasting away again in Rancho Santa Margaritaville, looking for my lost shaker of Prozac. Fun fact, that Orange County town is also famous for being the site of the Heaven's Gate 1997 meetup with the Hale-Bopp Comet and the, oh dear, the alien spaceship that was hiding in the tail of the comet, and they all went to the comet with brand new Converse tennis shoes on and well, some of them had had them had, them, had themselves uh, neutered. The guys, go figure. <sighs> yeah, that was 1997 because uh, the comet hung over the hospital where Doodle was busy being born. I always think of that. And of course, it's been so cloudy here. There has been no chance of seeing the comet that's only that, that only popped. Well, I think it's the first time this comet has popped by since uh, you know we came down out of the trees or something, and you know got rid of our brow ridges, or at least most of us did, and started putting food in fire so that we could you know have. But never mind. Key to evolution. You're right, though. You're right, though, uh, Billable Rick. Heaven's Gate. Dear me. Um, we had a verdict, another verdict today. This was in the seditious conspiracy trial uh, for the Oath Keepers 
Four more Oath Keepers got convicted uh, or found guilty of seditious conspiracy charges that you know stemmed from the terrorist attack of January 6, 2021. I heard it. I heard it referred to as a riot again today while I was out and about and listening to National Petroleum Radio, and it just it's gotten to where it crawls. It, it it gets all over me like fire ants every time I hear it referred to as a riot. And I don't know why the multimillionaire for-profit media can't refer to it as what it is, it was, a dom- and continues to be a domestic terrorism attack on the seat of constitutional governance in this country. Um, reporting for Politico, Kyle Cheney said uh, on Twitter, uh, the verdict has to produce anxiety for Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio, who's also facing similar charges. Uh, like Oath Keeper Ed Vallejo, he wasn't even in D.C. on January 6th, but jurors agreed Vallejo participated in the seditious conspiracy from a comfort inn in Arlington where he babysat a stockpile of weapons. Lovely phraseology, babysat a stockpile of weapons. Well, here's hoping he go. Uh, he and his pals all go up on it. Uh, the four who were convicted today. The only th- the only hope I have is that the judge sentences uh, sentences them appropriately. And of course, in my book, appropriately means to the fullest extent of the law, max them out. Because otherwise you're going to get it again. I think I think we're uh, in agreement there. Yeah, I noticed that too. Lee in New York says uh, the 25th Amendment Moran. That would be Rory. Uh, this Moran thinks that when the vice president becomes president, the vice president stays speaker, uh, uh, president of the Senate, and can cast tie-breaking votes. It, and then he wants to talk about the 25th Amendment. I wouldn't trust this guy to talk about popsicle sticks. But some, for some, I, I guess for entertainment value, they let them talk on C-SPAN. Good Lord. So it's good to have that conviction. Oh, and by the way, some numbers going back to the shootings over the weekend and today. Um, Note came from Flavio. We are only 23 days into 2023, according to the Gun Violence Archive. At this point, 23 days into 2023, we've had... 2,688 people killed in gun violence, 36 mass shootings, and 21 children killed by guns. Holy crap. Flavio, are you sure those numbers are right? That sure seems like a lot of dead people for just 23, but then again, this is Merca. The greatest country in the history of the world on earth now, today, forever, in the universe, under God. Amen. Where guns are more important than life itself. 
It beggars the imagination. It truly does. Um, Those numbers probably are real. Much to our continuing horror. It wouldn't be more on Monday, of course, if we didn't have a nitwit Nero sighting. He uh, showed up at the funeral for Diamond of Diamond and Silk, also known to the Horn Family Community Congregation as Paste and Polyester. It was a curious affair, to say the least, as uh, her sister, Silk Polyester, described the final moments of Diamond's life. And so I got up this morning and was watching my filthy morning habit, as is my want. And the it takes a lot to shock the morning zoo crew there at MSNBC, but I think even they were a little bit amazed at just how crass and feckless and out to lunch Nitwit Nero sounded. I know, I, I know, I was, I was, I was sipping my my decaf, uh, my decaf brevet this morning and just making that Kermit Kermit T Frog face as they chatted. Better known as Diamond from the popular pro-Trump conservative duo Diamond and Silk. At one point in his remarks, Trump claimed he didn't know Silk at all despite her saying in her introduction of him how great Trump treated them both. President Trump, I just want to say thank you so much for believing in Diamond and Silk. He treated us just like Laura. He treated us just like the other children, Eric, uh, Don Jr., Tiffany, He treated us just like when we came around, when Diamond and Silk came around, it was like we was part of the family. You know, the world has lost one of its brightest stars, real star, but I see that uh, we have another star who is equal to, but she stepped up and she is different. I'm I'm serious. I thought I knew them both. I didn't. I I knew Diamond, but I didn't know Silk at all. I just learned about Silk. You're fantastic. Jesus. What? What? Oh, my God. How does he say that? That's just not even. He also went. He was very. Um, that's just not even true. Upset that's about not how close long to being it true. lasted. But he, he complained. He started complaining uh, and, 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 and turned terribly, this memorial. Terribly camp, rude. This memorial service into a campaign speech railing against Democrats oh. and promoting the big lie and complaining that he was just how, there way too long. It's just gross. It is kind of gross. How do you have open borders where millions and millions of people are being led into our country and taking so much away from our country? It's so hard to fix that. You know, things we can fix inflation. We can fix so much of what's been damaged over the last two years. They allowed their prisons to be emptied out into the United States of America. They allowed their mental institutions to be emptied out. Inflation 
was caused by energy. They stopped the energy, and all of a sudden, your gasoline went from a dollar eighty-seven a gallon. Yeah, I think we can do that. Okay, without actually having to see it, he also complained about how long the funeral was, and and, and that he was only supposed to be there for fifteen minutes, but it lasted so much longer that he was stuck there. And 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 he was talking um, uh, himself very very long time. So so. Charlie, I don't know where to begin. I mean, you know, a Republican just, presidential candidate. Just beyond bizarre, yeah. beyond rude, beyond uh, uh, anything that that anyone would see in, in normal, polite, let me say, decent society. And this is a guy that a lot of people want to be the next president of the United States again. Again, and and so on brand for him, too. Um, look, th- this is what happens when you have a narcissistic sociopath asked to give a homily at a funeral. It won't go well. I mean, Donald <laughs> Trump has one subject. He has only one thing that he wants to talk it won't about. It won't go well. And, 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 and his and his and his the, the the crass indifference is just so burned in that he's not even aware of the fact that that he you know is is talking about other people that he they never met silk i mean of course it's rude but this is this is donald this is donald trump um and he's not going to change but uh, to your to your point um i continue to be amazed as, as, as you are well they, that's the interesting thing is uh, you know i always try to imagine the people who are watching this and going yes I want that man to be a role model for my children. That's that anthropology experiment we've been talking about. I want that man to have his finger on the nuclear button again. I mean, this has baffled me for for six years. Uh, What is interesting is that is that as we get closer to 2024, um, Trump's behavior is, if anything, more erratic. You know, remember, Joe, that there were people who, you know, talked themselves into believing, well, if he becomes president, he'll become more normal or, you know, he right. will he will become presidential. He will he will grow into right. the job. It's right. exactly opposite. And it appears to be accelerating. But again, um, as shocking as it is, no one should be surprised that Donald Trump goes to somebody's funeral, says he doesn't know the closest friend and then talks about himself the whole time because, well, he's Donald Trump. The last guy was Charlie Sykes, conservative commentator, and he's not wrong. Now, I guess there's somebody out there in Republican land he would actually like to see you know, be president. Yeah, holy cow. Um, One hesitates to wonder who that might be. But, um, oh, let me see. Um, Because we had a uh, we had a Mike Pompeo sighting, you know, he he graduated first in his class at West Point. <laughs> it's always good for a giggle. Uh, where did that story go? Oh, there it is. Uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, like I said, we hadn't si- had a sighting in a while, but, well, goodness me and sakes alive, he's got a book to hustle. Um, former Secretary of State does, and graduated first in his class at West Point. Ha! Sorry. Uh, 
And apparently the, the one of the things that's being noted out of the advanced copies on this thing is that, uh, well, the title of the book is Never Give an Inch, Fighting for the America I Love. God, I guess president, presidential timber hopefuls have to put out a memoir a couple of years so that they can flog it on the hustings in Iowa and, I don't know, up at uh, Dixville Notch in New Hampshire and whatnot. But this is a weird flex. Uh, a real hot take among hot takes. He decided to go after Jamal Khashoggi. You remember? Yeah, that Jamal Khashoggi. None of this Nil Nisi Bonum for, for, for the guy who graduated first in his class at West Point. Ha! <laughs> um, He, he went, goes so far in the book as to uh, um, make sport of people who thought well of Jamal Khashoggi, saying that uh, uh, the media thought he was a Saudi Arabian Bob Woodward who was martyred for bravely criticizing the Saudi royal family through his opinion articles in the Washington Post. Well, wasn't he? I mean, Mohammed bin Bonesaw did have him murdered and chopped into chutney at the Saudi embassy in Istanbul. And then, because it wasn't enough just to shit on his memory generally, he decided to lay down a little more, calling him... uh, an activist, no more a journalist than any other public figure who gets words published in major news outlets. Jesus, he was suffocated and dismembered, remember? Um... Went on to went on to say uh, he didn't deserve to die. Well, gee, that's awfully damn generous of you, Mike Pompeo. But we need to be clear about who he was, and too many in the media were not. He was a journalist, and Mike Pompeo does not get to declare who is and is not a journalist. I'm sure anybody who's ever written a word that's anything other than fawning about Mike Pompeo is not a journalist. Pardon me, but fuck Mike Pompeo, first in his class at West Point. Fuck him. Uh, His widow had a little something to say, speaking to NBC News today. Uh, Hanan Alader Khashoggi, among other things, said he was not a member of the Muslim Brotherhood because, well, in... Smearing him, Pompeo said, as even the New York Times reported, Khashoggi was cozy with the terrorists supporting Muslim Brotherhood. Um, 
Hanan Elader Khashoggi said that her husband always condemned the attacks of September 11th because, you know, if you're Muslim, you constantly have to condemn and recondemn and re-recondemn and re-re-recondemn 9/11, even though we're not, we don't subject, say, um, Trump-loving evangelicals to the same standard in demanding that they condemn the terrorist attack and note that it was a terrorist attack of January 6, 2021. She noted that he thought uh, Khashoggi did the biggest loser September 11th was Saudi Arabia because it seemed like they do not have a tolerant nation, which they don't. Well, just remember, Mike Pompeo is, of course, a fine, good, God-fearing, Bible-believing, upstanding Christian who apparently thinks he's got some presidential timber about him. I'd love to see a pageant, and I, you know, perhaps we will come 2024, uh, a pageant between, oh, Nitwit Nero and Ron Monkey Up DeClantis, the white supremacist governor. We're not even using adjacent anymore. He's just the white supremacist governor of Florida, Stan. Mike Pompeo. Hey, let's add Nimrata Haley in there while we're at it. Although, for some reason or another, nobody ever wants to bring up the fact that she got catfished by the morning zoo crew from Moscow 97-7 into thinking there was an island nation. You know, when she was sec- when she was the UN ambassador to the, or the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, uh, thought that uh, now got convinced that there was an island nation named Bonobo. Bonomo, Bonobo's a primate. Bonomo, y- yeah. Um. <laughs> okay, okay. Going back to uh, going back to the Heaven's Gate cult. This from the Converse Legal Department. The Heaven's Gate cult was wearing Nike, not Converse. Please correct the record. Thank you, Converse Legal Team. Well, we always want to correct the record when uh, we've made a mistake here. So it was Nike's, um, and that would be Phil Knight. Not, not con, not not Converse. I thought they were like pure white leather Converses for some reason. But I've got a, uh, I've got a, I've got a news story here that suggests otherwise. Um, oh, and being more in Monday, it, it, we also need to make mention of testicle toasting Tuckio Rose Carlson who talks a big game on the air, but apparently when he gets deposed by a lawyer with a bad attitude, he gets kind of weaselly and squirmy. According to a New York Times report today, he was deposed in the uh, Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit uh, worth billions of dollars against Fox News TV Radio Rwanda and various and sundry of their on air and, uh, and and executive staff. Uh, Jeremy Peters, writing for the Times, said in Delaware Superior Court on Wednesday, Dominion's lawyers argued that they had obtained ample evidence to make that case, 
One lawyer for Dominion said that a not a single Fox witnesses so far had produced anything supporting the various false claims about the company that were uttered repeatedly on the network. And in some cases, other high-profile hosts and senior executives echoed Mr. Hannity's doubts about what Mr. Trump and his allies like, you know, the Kraken lawyer, Squidney Powell, see what I did there, Kraken, Squid, were saying, according to the Dominion lawyer Stephen Shackelford, this included Mead Cooper, who oversees primetime programming for Fox News and the primetime star, Tokyo uh, Rose, Tucker, testicle toasting Tucker Carlson, Mr. Shackelford said. Mr. Shackelford described how Mr. Carlson had tried to squirm out of it at his deposition, well, worms will squirm, when asked about what he really believed. Mr. Shackelford started to elaborate about what Mr. Carlson had said privately, telling the judge about the existence of text messages the host had sent in November and December of 2020, but the judge, Eric M. Davis, cut him off, leaving the specific contents to the, of those texts unknown. Uh, the Hannity job has, of course, completely hung everyone out to dry uh, in, uh, in favor of his own miserable skin. He is, after all, nothing more than a life support system for a haircut. Uh, he said that uh, he knew that what the Kraken lawyer, Squidney Powell, said on his show weren't true, and especially where the idea that Democrats were silencing whistleblowers, he said, I did not believe it for one second. They're also suing, in addition to Fox, they're suing uh, Newsmuck, uh, who also pushed these, these outright lies. Lord, how long will we have to be bedeviled by this meddlesome, truculent shit weasel? Because he, he actually, well, I guess you could say that he got another win, if you can call it that. Um, I think this is real. I'm not for certain. It came maybe from the M&M's corporate account on Twitter. Uh, thank you to John in Central PA for making me aware of this. Testicle Toasting Tucky, who is terribly, terribly, terribly worried about issues relating to gender, apparently especially the gender of the green M&M, who is, well, as far as imaginary graphic spokes cartoons, a girl... If this isn't real, I'll be very, very happy to retract. If this isn't real, I'll just be very, very happy. Among, uh, America, the statement reads, Let's talk. In the past year, 
we've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice. And we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing. Which was the last thing M&M's wanted since we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Ms. Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. Tucker Carlson threw a hissy about the green M&M and I guess her go-go boots. Her white boots. And declared that M&M's had become woke. Or something. And so as a consequence, rather than stand up and bring people together like they claim they want to be, M&M's has folded like a cheap suit and collapsed like a house of cards in a wind. Testicle toasting Tucky got really worked up over the green M&M. Um, Alejandra Caraballo uh, over in Harvard said, we're here because Tucker can't control himself around the green M&M. Another individual roasting M&Ms for this said, uh, M&M Mars does negotiate with social media terrorists? You know, y'all just sell candy. He could have shrugged at the indignation coming from Carlson and said, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Ultimately, I'm sure your shareholders care only about revenue. Um... Another individual saying, what a way to destroy a history of making people smile. Your CEO should step down for choosing to virtue signal rather than put the investors first. Congratulations on finding the weakest possible response to the dumbest manufactured outrage campaign. Maya Rudolph is lovely, but let's be honest. What you're announcing here is that your real spokesperson is Tucker Carlson. The answer was always to make all the candies gayer and gender non-conforming and also immensely horny. Okay, that might be a bit. Uh, Fortunately, uh, well, or on, I'm not in the I'm, I'm not in the chocolate consuming demographic anymore. Uh, Tony Poznanski, a blue check mark, said, let's take the candy out of this. Your advertising was based on supporting women. You're now backing down from it because a conservative talk show host didn't like supporting women. See, if you take the candy out of it, it's a pretty crappy thing you did. And there was, uh, of course, some right-wing idiot who responded and said, Conservatives do support women. 
Liberals want to replace them. Know your stuff. Oh, God. I can't get away from it. I can't even do a goddamn story about a stupid decision by the marketing department of a candy company. Yeah, well, liberals want to replace women. No, dumbass. No. Um. Well, you're right, Lee in New York pointing out, Fox, scared by M&M's, the candy that melts in your mouth got terrified by people whose brains melt in their skulls. Truth. And apparently, it, it's, I, I was just waiting for something. Nah, this is all just a gag. It's something to, you know, run up to Super Bowl Sunday, yada, yada, yada. No. No, this is, this is, this is real, um, genuine stupidity. Water? Like from the toilet? You know, that, that level of stupidity. And it wouldn't be more in Monday if we didn't have a Nazi story. Folks are uh, folks are upset in Hamtramck, Michigan. Um, proud history is an immigrant community, and uh, also known for substantial diversity and inclusion. And so, consequently. A homeowner there uh, has decided to fly, that's right, the Nazi flag. And that occasioned the mayor of Hamtramck, Amir Khalib, to tell the Detroit Free Press that uh, the fact that there was a homeowner flying a Nazi flag does not reflect the city's values of peace, tolerance, and love. Uh, for those of you who are in, uh, who, who know the, 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 the nomenclature or taxonomy of Nazi flags, this is the Reichskriegflagge, uh, the imperial war flag, um, the one with the swastika in the white circle, black horizontal and vertical stripes, and a cross in the upper left corner. Yeah, that Nazi flag on a red field. Curiously, while there's a great discussion and reporting on the flag itself, somehow or another, I don't know, because Nazis have tender and delicate fifis and sensibilities, I don't know, like I said, but we don't find out who the person is flying the Nazi flag. And, uh, of course, because false equivalencies, there are uh, people saying, well, it's no different to them people what flies that pride flag. Really? That's where we are comparing the, yeah. But, well, Merca, so any surprise? 
The homeowner eventually decided to take the flag down himself. Uh, a statement from the city said, Well, we recognize constitutionally protected speech. We cannot condone words and symbols intended to divide. Hamtramck is a tight-knit community full of diverse people from various cultures, backgrounds, and lived experiences. It is our hope that we come together as a city that appreciates diversity and rejects hate that makes that diversity unsustainable. In doing this, we can all make Hamtramck a better place to live. And, of course, Hamtramck has a substantial, and has had historically a substantial, Polish population. Once again, we run up against that paradox. I'm trying to remember the name of the... the um, that the only way to have a tolerant society is not to tolerate uh, fascists. Did I say tolerant? Tolerate. Um, note coming in from Cynthia in the Bay Area. Hey, Cynthia. Busy here as usual today, trying to catch up with my pile while I have you on in the background, but I imagine you saw this. A Republican lawmaker in North Dakota introduced a bill that would fine people $1,500 if they refer to trans people using their correct pronouns rather than the pronouns they were assigned at birth. Cynthia, getting a little bit flustered. No, a lot. Actually, pissed off, and righteously so. Don't these fucking goddamn filthy assholes have anything better to do? Well, Cynthia, apparently not. <clears throat> At all. Jesus. Oh, and uh, I, I got a little bit of an update for those of you who have been worried about me and you know, people like me in West Virginia. Uh, I reached out to an organization and said, listen, um, if this thing gets a hearing, a committee hearing, uh, please be so kind as to note that I would love to testify against it. And I'm just the girl to do it. And I got a response, and they said, well, thank you. And noted that, uh, uh, let me make sure that I've got the exact language here. Because I saved the email. No, I saved the mail, the, the message. Um, we don't think SB 252 is a high threat at the moment. It only has one sponsor, and he's known to sponsor wild legislation that never gets any movement. But if that changes at all, we'll post updates. It's a horribly dangerous bill, and we can't afford to let that kind of hate get written into state code. I agree. Um, the, um, my, it is a horribly dangerous bill, and it should be roundly and soundly attacked. even if they don't think it's going to get very far. Um, nope, back to the M&Ms. Um, Arnold said, so who replaced the M&Ms? Well, I, I, Maya Rudolph will. 
and Flavio provided a quote from Rolling Stone. Given that Rudolph is a Jewish woman of color and a self-avowed feminist, it's unclear exactly how unpolarizing of a choice she is for the group of consumers M&M's is apparently trying to cater to. And given that Mars did not immediately respond to a request for comment, it's also unclear whether the spokes candies will actually be put on hiatus or if this is an elaborate troll designed to garner attention for Rudolph's upcoming Super Bowl commercial, possibly penned by a copywriter who took one sketch writing class at UCB in college and now thinks they're an expert in irony. Damn, that was snarky. And, by the way, um, another uh, trial of note. Um, the, uh, you remember Big O? We talked about Big O this past Friday. Well, uh, He's been convicted. Big O um, was found guilty today on all eight counts against him. Four of them felonies. The jury took uh, less than two hours to ding him. That's kind of a whiz... But part of that may be because he took the stand in his own defense and, well, made an ass of himself, and that wasn't there wasn't a lot of making involved. So now his lawyer is braying and bleating and pissing and moaning and barking and grunting. Nice hat, dude. Do you get a free bowl of soup with that? Uh, standing outside the courthouse, uh, his pettifogger, some dude named Joseph McBride complained that Big O did not get a fair trial because D.C. is not a state. Number two, he's not surrounded by a jury of his peers, a jury of people from Arkansas. That ain't gonna fly. Uh, because a jury of one's peers does not, does not mean a jury from one state. If, say, somebody from Alabama goes and murders somebody in New York they're not going to try him in Alabama so that they'll have no not surrounded by a jury of his peers a jury of people from Arkansas a place where he came from or a jury that has a political composition of anything that's like the rest of the United States Washington D.C. is something like 95-96% and as I read that the first time, I was waiting for, but it was Biden voters, right? We believe that plays a crucial role in the political factors that are ever present in these cases. Well, there wasn't much to try. He should have taken a plea deal. When there are photographs of you actively committing the crime, like, say, with your feet propped up on. Nancy Pelosi's desk ha then maybe uh, maybe you might want to rethink your affirmative defense there of uh, I couldn't find the bathroom I thought Nancy's office was the potty 
God, they worry about trans women in potties. So he tried to get the change of venue. He didn't. Uh, I guess they'll argue about that in the appeal. Um, McBride went on to say, you should see the photo. He's wearing this straw, kind of periwinkle blue pork pie hat that, well, no. We're not saying there's something inherently wrong with D.C. or with the jurors. We're saying we believe politics is the big elephant in the room that nobody wants to speak about here, and political considerations about this trial damage the jury pool to the extent that we can't get a fair trial. On the other hand, you don't have a lot to try when your client gets on the stand and confesses judgment. Using the actual word, he told the jury that on January the 6th, 2021, he, at the time 60 years old, was a fucking idiot during the terrorist attack on the Capitol. So now he's looking at a max 20 in prison. Give him all of it, Your Honor. But no, according to federal sentencing guidelines, he'll probably get a slap on the wrist. But he was complaining outside the courthouse about not getting a jury of his peers, you know, white Confederate men. Lord Big O, bye, Felicia. Uh, And uh, uh, the four Oath Keepers who were convicted were Ed Vallejo, Roberto Menuda, Joseph Hackett, and David Marshall. They got found guilty of seditious conspiracy, conspiracy to obstruct an official act of Congress, and conspiracy to destroy federal property. One of these days, I hope we find out who it was that, you know, pooped in the Capitol and played in it, weirdos. Um, so, in both of those convictions, we will now wait to see um, well, we'll wait to see when the when the sentencing is and whether anything resembling justice will be done. And by the way, we are uh, well past the first hour of the program. We got uh, we got a $10 Who Day challenge on the table, courtesy of Steve in New York. And if that's met, we would get down to, uh, we'd be down to 280 in fundraising to go which would be fantastic. And, well, fingers crossed. We have, uh, we have a lot of, a lot more Morans. Many, many Morans. Lots and lots of Morans. But let's run over and uh, check in with Tracy. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Chris. 
Greetings, how are you? Ah, you know, not not. It, it's Monday, but that's cool. It's yeah, it's Monday. We, I'm just I'm sitting. I was listening right before you, picked, you know, brought me on. They're talking about doing a. You're doing a press conference right now about the shooting, the shooting that happened over the weekend, and it's just so as of today. And three weeks into 2023, there have been 36 mass shootings in the United States. Jesus. 36. How, how, I mean, I, I scour the, and I'm not doubting. I mean, Flavio gave me the same, you know, 2,600 people dead, 2,600 mm-hmm. shooting deaths. How can how can anybody even even a well-funded responsible journalistic organization how can they keep up? Right, and you know, sun. I woke up to this Sunday morning, but what killed me was that Saturday I was I went to my church for the first time in a long time, and you know, for those of you who don't know. My church is openly gay. It's Founders, um, Founders Metropolitan Community Church. And it's the, it's the denomination that is the first openly gay church in the country. And our, my church is the founding church. Well, Saturday was one of my good friends. He was ordained to the, to the, to the denomination. And I'm sitting there at the church looking around because I, I realized that's the first time I've had I've been in the gathering with you know mostly gay people or queer people in a long time, and I just sat there and I realized I'm like oh my god so I was actually actively looking for the exit to make just in case because the way the church it's an older church and it's uh, made there's only like one way in and one way out and and we have a balcony as well. And I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios because a lot of, you know, it was a, was a very large gathering. And so I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios. If somebody had stuck into the balcony while we were there and just gunned us down from the balcony, I'm thinking about, you know, all this stuff. And I just, I realized that there was one, ex, there is an exit that, um, it's through the pulpit slash choir stand. And I was like, okay, if I have to, I can get to there. And, of course, when I got home, I felt bad that I was even thinking that, that I was even – I allowed myself to be distracted from what was supposed to be a joyous event. And, you know, it'd be, I said, oh, Tracy, you're being paranoid. Girl, quit tripping. Why are you tripping? And then I woke up Sunday morning to the horror, to the nightmare. And I realized I am not being paranoid at all. Because, see, you know what? I grew up in South Central Los Angeles in the 1980s, in the middle of the crack wars. So I've always been, depending on where I am, I've always been hypervigilant about my surroundings 
and you know, I never have my I never have my back to the ex to the you know to the exit of a, of a restaurant or anything that I you know that I could avoid. But I I I reserve that behavior for certain areas because the likelihood that it would happen in South LA or quote unquote the hood was you know more suited to that behavior. But now, you know, 40-some-odd years later, Robin, I don't worry about mass shootings when I go visit family or go to the hood, sis. I do not. I worry about mass shootings when I go to routes. I can worry about mass shootings when I go to church or when I go to the movie theater or when I go on, on the rare occasion that I have to go to, that I go to Walmart. I, I am constantly on alert. And I was talking to uh, Bernadette today, and we were talking about the, the, that constant vigilance and how that, you know, that messes with your adrenal glands because you're always in fight, fight or flight mode. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, it's getting real old. And just to realize, you know, because, of course, the first thing when I heard about the shooting, my first thought was, that's eh, the white guy. You know, that, of course, that's where I went. But come to find, we find out that it was a 72-year-old Asian man. And it's like, so now we have, now we got to worry about senior citizens shooting up, doing mass shootings. I, I don't know. And it, it is just, where, you know, that's another thing we, Bernard and I were talking about. They can regulate my uterus. They can regulate whether you are a person and have the right to be who you want to be. They can regulate who, what we learn in school, whether about black history or black studies, which, you know, everybody knows is that I graduated with a bachelor's degree in black and Africana studies. So they can regulate all that. What that gets taught, what we, who we love, and all this sort of stuff, where you can or cannot say yes, where you can or cannot go to the bathroom, who, can, who is considered a woman, and whether or not she can participate in sports. And all this, and wooda, 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 brooga, 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 and all this other stuff. But yet and still, Yet, and yet, we cannot. No, no, I, I, I refuse. I take that back. We refuse. And by we, I mean people who are not us, to refuse to regulate guns. Because apparently the gun that the brother, that the guy used on Saturday night isn't even legal here in California. But it's illegal in surrounding states. So there's nothing stopping him, obviously, from going to whatever state that gun was, that gun was legal in, buying it, and driving it. He purchased it. He purchased or, it know, as a lawful gun owner. Right. I mean, it, it's that part. Yeah, and and I'm I'm so glad you I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought this up because. There has to be some way of talking about these things 
that isn't the same thing every time. You know, I had a note from Steve in New York um, talking about how difficult it is to talk about these things and how painful it is. You know, L.A. is a huge city, but uh, I think it was John Irving in The World According to Garp who said, no matter how big the city that you live in, they all boil down to being a small town because the, yep. the, the emotional dynamics are identical. Just because there's more people doesn't mean there's less hurt. And so every marginalized community, every minority community, uh, where you are and around the nation is, 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 feeling, is feeling the anguish. And it has to be particularly awful, as if, as if there's some continuum of awfulness, which is not what I'm suggesting. But, uh, and 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 you know, the Asian, the Asian American Pacific Islander, so-called demographic group, is not monolithic any more than any other minority group is. You know, uh, Asian can mean Indian subcontinent. It can mean uh, Mongolia. It can mean what we recognize as modern China. It can mean Vietnam. It can mean Japan. It can mean Laos. It can mean Thailand. It can mean Malaysia, Indonesia. I'm sorry, what? China. I'm just thinking about what's yeah. the way to say China. Oh, China. 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 Uh, and and they are and and they are not at all the same. But it must. Well, I mean, it, it, to when they said the shooter was on the loose, I'm like, well, you know, find the disaffected young white man. Well, right. I was I, I was, I, I, was I, I was wrong. I was wrong. We were both wrong. Because we that was the first thing that came to, and and one of the you, they had somebody that was. Um, interviewing and the fact that there's even experts on this. But one of the things to say in this interview was because of course out here it's been twenty it's twenty four seven that they've been covering this. Um but one of the things that they were saying is that, you know, there are usually signs. But it's, but what it is, but they're talking about signs for younger people. Younger you know, younger males. And, you know, when they start withdrawing and uh, and they start their behavior starts to change and their you know schoolwork goes on a decline, there's all these signs that you might need to be paying attention to and 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 taking the the doors off the hinges of that room and keeping an eye on what your son is doing. However, where is there's no litmus test. For an older active shooter, you know, it's just ah, you know, you and this guy, you know, apparently the person that's responsible for the shooting was a patron. I think maybe even an instructor at the both at the dance school, uh, dance studios and stuff. And this place, one of the things that it's just because it's like one of the things that I do, it, it actually makes me smile. When I do access, I, the majority of the time, I'm taking people, picking them up or taking them to adult health daycare centers where, you know, I don't know if you guys have, if you have them out in West Virginia, um, in your neck of the woods, 
but they're all over LA. And um, they're typically run by certain people, and you, some of them are for disabled people, you know, mentally challenged or what have you, but mostly they're for senior citizens. And they bring them over, you know, they're in a group, and they have activities, they feed them lunch, and then they go, they actually take them places as well. And it's nice, especially if you have older parents, and especially if they live with you, they're doing something during the day while their, you know, their children are at work or at school or what have you. It gives them something to do. And from what I understand, that this place was sort of like that. It was huge in the community. There were people who had been going there, both places, respectively, for like, you know, 15, 20 years. Because it was just a, a fun place to go. And the, 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 the average, we're talking, and the, and the victims of this horrible shooting were between 50 and 70 years old. And then just about an hour or so ago, one of the people who happened, you know, take it to the hospital after the shooting succumbed to their injury. So now 11 people yeah. have died as a result of this shooting. And, you know, where does it end? Because we're doing, I mean, like I said, like we say in California, we have some of the strongest, most, you know, strongest, you know, gun laws in the country. And again, we're not going to go do any good if they can go someone to go, to, you know, it has to be federal. It has to be, you, can't, you shouldn't be able to go to another state and buy a gun that's illegal in California. If you have a California ID, you right. shouldn't be allowed to do that. Be able to cross a gun. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time just for the people in the chief streets, just in case you didn't hear me. You should not be able to leave the state of California, go to another state, and buy a gun with using a California ID and bring it back across state lines. And and and, and that that kind that kind of that kind of amazes me because you're. It was my understanding you're not supposed to be able to do that. I guess you. I thought you weren't either, but apparently you are, unless he used another form of ID. Maybe he used his passport because your passport doesn't have your address on it, or does it? I don't think it does. I think you're right. So. If, they, in fact, they used their passport, he used his passport, there's no way of doing it. But, again, this is why we need stricter law. You need a background check because if you had around a background check, then they would know you don't live in, they, he did not live in, this, in that state. That part. It's just... I'm just, I just, and like I said, I am, I'm tired of living this way. I am tired of the fact that these poor people 
you know, they went to celebrate the, the Lunar New Year with their friends and their family. And they are not coming home. No. And and, and for what I, because where this happened, Monterey Park first, and then Alhambra, the second place, you know, attempted shooting. Monterey Park, this is, in, for those who don't know, okay, it is, these cities are in L.A., but L.A. County, they're in the San Gabriel Valley. So there's basically two valleys in L.A. County. There's the something on the valley where I live in, you know, L.A., like, you know, oh, my God. But then there's the other valley, the San Gabriel Valley. And San Gabriel Valley basically starts at Pasadena and goes east. So you got Pasadena, you know, so it goes east. Of, you got the 210. You got three, you got a cross, it's like three freeways. You got the 210, that's the further north, and you have the, uh, the 60 and the, the 10 and the 60. And they all border the San Gabriel Valley. So, and so you have cities like Alhambra, you know, especially off the 10, um, you have Alhambra, uh, uh, Alhambra, Monterey Park, uh, and all these cities that were are primarily um, like the you know these are huge um, centers of the Asian of the Asian community. Um, even though there's still like in downtown LA, Little Tokyo, um, in Koreatown and Chinatown, a lot of people. I don't know when the shift happened, but a lot of Asians moved to the San Gabriel Valley and. If you want amazing Asian food, you, you know. Yeah, I, I understand. It's I understand. Food. It's one of the highest concentration of of um, uh, various Asian cultures in the entire United States. Yes, and if you want amazing, I mean, when they do this, a um, a newsletter or a website called Eater LA, and they're constantly doing like the, you know best of or what have you and when it comes to like you know like dim sum and whatnot and so forth the majority of the restaurants are in the San Gabriel Hockey and the Heights and all these other places are in the San Gabriel Valley you know there and um, like I said I don't know when there was this great migration happened and to the, from like especially from Chinatown and uh, Little Tokyo and stuff like that. But that happened in the, I, I don't, it might have been in the 80s or the 90s, you know. And, I, you know, it's my, my, I'm a, a, a historian when it comes to um, Asian culture as far as Los Angeles is concerned. You know, we want to talk about black folks, I got you. But it's like, but it's like I said, it's a huge shift. Um, so, it's again. We are. We have become so. I don't know if the word is numb, because we're not numb. We feel this all the time, but we have gotten to that point where the first thing we know, when like we, we both make mistakenly thought that the shooter was a a, a, a white person, a white guy, you know, a white guy, automatically first thing, and again, so. What does that say about our culture? What does that say about us 
as Americans that the first per- the first group of people or persons that we think of when there's a mass shooting is, like you said, some disaffected white guy. I mean, because typically it is a disaffected white guy. And so this is, this is probably hurting that community even more because of, quote, unquote, quote, unquote, one of their own. And by one of their own, I mean Asian because I don't know exactly. I don't know if it's been released as of yet where uh, this per- the person was from. It's, it's, it's like it's nothing worse than when violence happens against your community or when you're being, like, I, I, you know, I've had issues, I drive access, you know, driving disabled people, older people, whatever, in between my school runs. And the people that, 99.9% of my passengers are wonderful. I've only had one person, one complaint by a passenger, and it's by a black woman. I, you know, typically when I have, you know, whenever I, I get hurt more from my own folks, and it hurts more. Like when I was having problems with school with one of my professors, and it was, a, you know, and I'm like, and I wrote the letter to the dean of, of uh, social and behavioral sciences, and I said, you know, I expect academic violence and disregard from other departments that I'm in. This is... We are, we gird up our loins. We are on the ready for mistreatment. And if we don't get mistreated, it's a sigh of relief. But when we, you know, if I had been in the psych department or the English department or any other, you know, uh, oh, and, and like at our, my school, the business department and computer sciences, holy crap, talk about misogynistic, racist, and all that other stuff. But I, I would be prepared for that when I took, if I took classes outside of my major, outside of my department. But when I am, I, I am uh, afflicted with or, uh, or uh, uh, abused in, a, in my own department, it hurt worse. Because this is supposed to be my haven. This is supposed to be my, my safety, my tribe, my people. So when you get hurt by one of your own, when you're expecting to be hurt by somebody else, it cuts deeper. It's no different than, like you said, you know, for you, and, you know, of course, I can't speak for you, but if, you know, when you hear a trans woman, you know, I don't know, Caitlyn Jenner <laughs> or somebody who oh. is supposed to be part of... I, yeah, I cut you, didn't I? It was, I, I felt it. It was a tip. Caitlin, like, Blair White, any of the pick-me-girls. Right, right, right. Or for me, you know, Kanye West, Candace Owens, Call Me on the Wall. Any of the, I mean, it doesn't really hurt because you, but it's still, when it's from people that look like you. Oh, well, you'll, you'll, and you'll, you'll love this, um. You mentioned Candio. Um, Candace Owens claims women are a distraction in the workplace. 
Things have gotten worse at work since women joined. Since women joined the workforce, I think that men are having to deal with all these landmines everywhere. Yeah, because they can't just, you know, routinely grope, abuse, assault, insult, treat their job as the dating pool. Good God, the things the things that these right wing POSs will say just to you know Well, she's a pick me girl too. Yeah. You know, in any yeah. in any in any marginalized community, you're going to have those who want to be perceived and we've talked about this before, one of the good ones. Because they don't understand that for some reason or another, they cannot conceptualize the fact that everybody's going to the ovens together. It's like for me, like I said, when I was younger and before I became my authentic self and realized my true history in this country, I was, now, I, I was, I was a self-loathing individual and I wanted to be one of the good ones. But never, ever, 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 ever. And let me put one more ever on there for it faster. But I have ever, 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 ever voted Republican. I mean, like, or, well, or any, or, standards, or standard, standards, standards, yeah, standards are real. I got to share something with you because this will kind of oh. speak to you since uh, we're there. Uh, I got a, I got a, I got a new good one for you. Um, he he's a he's a Fox News analyst. You know, emphasis on the anal. Uh, his name is John O. Caldwell, G I A N N O Caldwell. And Giano? John uh, Giano, yeah, Caldwell. Um, black guy. But again, mm-hmm. works for Fox News, so here we go. Well, he's pogo sticked up onto the cross because he went to uh, a place in Miami called Paradise Books and Bread. And apparently he went in there with his buddies and they were all running their mouth real nice and loud about all the people they hated. But he went to Twitter. He went to Twitter and said, I can't believe what just happened. I met up with friends for breakfast at Paradise Books and Bread in North Miami, and while we were having discussions about politics, we were told by the owner that we were not welcome there because we aren't politically aligned. Outrageous! And so now this place is getting death threats, you know, they're being threatened, and they've actually shut down a week early for their annual winter break because shit got so nasty so fast. And he says, well... Uh, we were talking politics in the cafe, and they asked us to leave. It was troubling. And he went on, and he went on to, uh, hold, hold, and he went on to say, "There's a target on the backs of people who happen to be black, who happen to be conservatives." And then he went on and said. No matter your politics, you should not be discriminated against. I was discriminated against for being a conservative and told to leave a restaurant in North Miami because my politics didn't align with the owner. This is not okay. And, of course, turned it into a segment on Fox News TV Radio Rwanda. 
here's what yeah, I, here, here's what actually happened though. On his Instagram account, the folks that run Paradise Books and Bread said a group of people came in, ordered their food, sat in the inside corner, and talked quite loudly for over an hour. A lot of what they were discussing was very troubling, specifically when talking about women in degrading ways, as well as using eugenic arguments around their thoughts on Roe v. Wade. Once it was clear they were finished with their meal, we told them that our views don't align and that their language they were using was unwelcome in our space. And so then they started getting threats. And John O. Caldwell knew goddamn well what he was doing and what what these people were going to be subjected to. Because, again, this is one of those phenomena that you deal with with, with with any garden variety right-wing POS. They go braying and bleeding and brooding their... Uh, and, and they can't just talk about it at their table in a normal tone. No, they've got to be loud about it, goddammit, because they're right and everybody's wrong. And so they were dicks. And they were talking and they were then they were talking about women like shit. And you know what? It's Florida, so they've got the right to uh, ask a, 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 an obnoxious patron to please leave. Mm-hmm. I, I wish they had been. I wish the. I wish the business had been a little bit more explicit about what they were saying. I mean, were they were they calling women bitches? Were they calling women hoes, skanks? Right. Maybe the see you next Tuesday word. Mm-hmm. Sickening. Just sickening. It's just and speaking of Florida, um, you know, they are pitching a bitch about because uh, there's a pilot program outside. Yeah, the the, the African American Studies AP program, right? That one high school right. in 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 Florida was participating. One. One, one. But the exciting part about that article is that they were interviewing my cousin, who was one of the um, people who is you know was integral to getting this program. Um, because it just kills me finally, you know, how long has AP, anything, courses been around? They've been around since I was in high school, okay? And finally, they have an AP history course for black history. But now, it's exciting that they interviewed my cousin, and his name is Christopher Tinson. But, of course, as I'm, I'm looking at the article, and I'm realizing, wait a second. He is Dr. Christopher Tinson, Ph.D. Did they take his name as Dr. Did they put Dr. Christopher Tinson anywhere in the article, Robin? Sorry, no. Okay. So on the other hand, I was so excited with seeing my cousin's name and that he is one of the people, you know, the, the highly educated black folks that are responsible for this pilot program. And yet, they don't give him 
his title. Because we both know that had my cousin been, I don't know, non, you know, melanin deficient, his, they would have had his, his name as Dr. Christopher Kinsley. And I just, that, that really upset me. I mean, the article is amazing because he points out, because of course they talk, you know, CRT, and they might talk about, you know, how they, they, they might talk about reparations, and, you know, you know, because they talk, of course, in all the other AP courses, they talk about the American Revolution and the French Revolution, but you did not find in hearing anything about the Haitian Revolution. Or, you know, the ethnic thing. Yeah, the single, like, the, so, the single most successful slave uprising in history. In history. Okay. And so, and yet, again, in Florida. See, this is why, as much as I love Disneyland, Disney World, and um, Universal Orlando, It'll be a cold day in hell before I ever set foot in Florida again. I was done with Florida after, uh, Lord Jesus, my kid. There's been so many. Trayvon, Trayvon Martin. Yeah. I was done with Florida after that. Sandra Ground Law. I was done. I, I, and I've, I've been true to my word. I haven't been to Florida since, other than a layover flight twice. When, when John and I went to Puerto Rico in 2017, and on, on our, our most recent trip to Panama last, um, last year. But never, ever. And like, this is, this is my thing. If, if on my next trip, if I, if, if I'm gonna find, make sure that I, if I, if I can, if I'm going somewhere, I'm gonna do my level best not to even have to have a connecting flight in Florida. How about that? I don't even want. Not one thin penny. Ground. Not I don't, one I penny. Ground. Exactly. I want nothing to do with Florida, even though I'm a ever at club there is pretty fast and nice. Aside from that, you know, in the airport, I, I like you said, because if I touch, like you, you know, if I touch ground in Florida and I have to do a layover, like you said, I'm going to spend money. Unless I go to the Atmo Club, then I don't have to buy spending money because. Everything is yeah, but they're still spending money. But they're still spending money. Exactly. I won't do it, sis. I just, no. I can't no. be who I am and support that state in any shape, form, or fashion. And that's hard for me because you know. Well, you know, you, you know, you know that Monkey Up Declantis has uh, given an excuse now because there's enough heat coming. Would you care to guess what his excuse for nixing the AP African American Studies class was? No, go ahead. Maybe, maybe, maybe no, just a guess. Well, uh, uh, the CRT or what? Here, I've got the, uh, I've got the, I got the audio. Let's let him say it. Oh, there's audio. 
AAPI, African American Studies course that was rejected by the state. Been a lot of criticism of that move. Uh, people saying, you know, this is exactly what we were fearing with the individual freedom bill. I don't know if you or the commissioner could maybe expand a little bit more about. Sure. I mean, I think so. Um, you know, as you know, uh, in the state of Florida, our education standards not only don't prevent, but they require teaching black history, all the important things. That's part of our core curriculum. This was a separate course on top of that for advanced placement credit. And the issue is we have guidelines and standards in Florida. Uh, we want education, not indoctrination. If you fall on the side of indoctrination, we're going to decline. If it's education, then we will do this Course. So when I heard it didn't meet the standards, I figured, yeah, they may be doing security. It's way more than that. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. Yes, ma'am. Turn it off. But you want to hear the, ir the irony in that, sis? Go for it. It's that even, the, even within, you know, black studies, Queer theory, or whatever, you know, queer, black queer studies is not something that's even taught. We have been, you know, this, just the, the last few years, even at my school, good luck, good luck finding a black queer studies course, even within the a black studies, African studies, Pan-African studies department at any university. Okay? We will talk about, like, queer authors and you know, queer members of, of, you know, in black history, like, you know, Bayard Weston, Weston, uh, 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 um, James Baldwin, uh, uh, and, 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 and Well, I mean, is it, is it, is it not true that queerness has been a significant, has played a significant role? I mean, uh, were, were, were there not, I mean, you just mentioned James Baldwin, you know, W.E.B. Du Bose. Um, um, Alice Walker. Uh, yeah. Uh, just so many. Uh, uh, Lorraine Hansberry, Langston Hughes. Uh, cutting, oh God, so many. And County like Cullen. Said, County way, Cullen, yeah. Thank you, County Cullen. Um, so many queer black, I mean, and that's uh, pretty much. Is it possible? Uh, is it po I mean, and, and and this was a, this was a very special place in time. Is it possible to even talk about the Harlem Renaissance without talking about queerness? No, not if you really want to discuss it. You cannot. I mean, it. This is so sickening because it's not indoctrination; it is acknowledgement. I mean, I wonder it if it, I, you know, because there's a European history AP course that's taught in Florida. I wonder when they get around to the Renaissance and they start talking about the, oh, say the Sistine ceiling, and Michelangelo who divide, you know, designed Saint Peter. 
does his queerness come in to the conversation, no. or do we just have a conversation about how brilliant he was? Well, see, but when they start, this is the... the it's the integral, is it about, not? Right, but when you talk about, they, 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 it's laughable when they talk about indoctrination. The entire history of this country is indoctrination. We have been brainwashed, whitewashed into thinking that, first of all, that I don't know, Christopher Columbus discovered America. You can't discover something that people are already here for, that they've been there for at least a millennia or so, okay? You can't, you know, the lie about the first Thanksgiving and the lie about manifest destiny and the lie, because the whole, I mean, it wasn't until I got into college and took black studies and other classes that I learned about the, and, and read, you know, what is Howard Zinn, is it Zinn, 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 you know, his book. Yeah, People's History of the United the States. People's History of the United States. So when you, I, every time when I hear them talking about black studies or any ethnic studies being indoctrination, how dare you? Y'all have been indoctrinating us since 1619, 1619, the indoctrination process started at the beginning of the, when this country was born, when they brought the first black folks over here from to Jameson. So don't tell me, don't come for me and talk about indoctrination. Y'all know, do, I mean, we, if you really want to go there about indoctrination, we are neophytes. When it comes, if you really want to go there, the white folks, it, it, it's one of the things that I learned when I started my, you know, my journey back to college. There's black studies and the studies of black people. Black studies is when, you know, is rooted and firmly founded in the, in the, the, the learning and understanding of black people's contributions and who we are in this country. And I, I'm, I'm terribly paraphrasing this. The study of black people is when you have people in the corporations like the court, you know, organizations like the Ford Foundation who, you know, in their quest to understand us, they, they, they poured money in our schools and stuff like that to study black people and to have a, uh, definitely a whitewashed version of history that was not threatening to the status quo. So you have people, um, and this is, my, my professors are somewhere screaming at me right now, but uh, like I said, you have these, these, you know, organizations that, you know, under the guise that we want black you know, we want to, we, we want black history and black studies in schools. However, it was a, uh, I wouldn't say tepid, but it was a, it was a definitely considered a non-threatening aspect of black history. So you have, you know, the, the, the black, the, uh, you have the, the version of Martin Luther King Jr. that white people like to talk about on Martin Luther King's birthday. 
you have, you talk about Rosa Parks. You talk about Martin Luther King without talking about his activism and how he tried, how he came out against the Vietnam War. You have Rosa Parks. Oh, yes. She sat, you know, she refused to give up her seat. But you don't talk about that Rosa Parks worked with the Black Panthers and was, uh, uh, was a militant herself. You don't know, you don't hear about Fannie Lou Hamer. You don't hear about James Baldwin. You don't hear about Bayard Rustin. You don't hear about the people who was constantly fighting about, you know, you hear about like George Washington Carver. You hear about Benjamin Banneker. Those are the people that, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, the safe Negro. You don't hear about, you hear about slavery, but you don't hear about how brutal it was and how people were so, were, women were used to, were used for breeding to make more slaves. You don't hear about how families were ripped apart. How you don't hear about how people, when when slavery was, you know, quote unquote, ended or what abolished. You don't hear about how people spent years trying to find family members and stuff like that who have been, you know, taken from them. You don't hear about the constant rape. You don't hear about the beating. You just hear, you just see there ha- especially like when you watch movies like The Little Foxes and Jezebel, the happy Negroes. And I mean, my I when I learned, I think about you know growing up and loving movies like The Little Foxes and Jezebel and Gone with the Wind and what and thinking well I guess slavery really wasn't that bad. They all seem happy. They're always singing. So what's the problem? Well, I mean, it, it's not that. And that's the, the thing. The things that get triggered. Uh, how many years ago was it that Duck Duck Doofus was a was a going concern? And that guy said, and, and that one white dude with his long, well, whatever. That one dude said, uh, that didn't come out right, did it? Never mind. Uh, but he said, uh, well, and, you know, these are people who were famous for making duck calls, for God's sakes, and they made a fortune on... Oh, the Duck Dynasty. Yeah, duck what was Dynasty. it, TLC or Discovery or whatever? Just um, A&E or whatever. Yeah, but he said, well, you know, slavery wasn't that bad. They was all the time singing out in the fields, wasn't they? Right. And this is a man from Louisiana. One of the worst places to be enslaved, like there was a good place, but in the entire, you know, in the entire when, enslaving when portion of the country. Up, when slaves cut up, one of the it, it was sending people. It was like the boogeyman. It was Louisiana back in the day was the Kaiser Sose of enslavement. It's like you knew. If you cut up too bad, I mean, and, and, and not to say that people didn't cut up because they did what they could to escape or what have you, but they knew. The threat was if you keep show, if you keep doing whatever you're doing, you're going to be sent to Louisiana. Full Down the river. Down the river. Because Louisiana was a special kind of head. Yeah, if you go, 
that far. Uh, if you're ever driving on I-10 from Mississippi into Louisiana, there's a welcome center there. Uh, I'm sorry, the 10. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Well, it runs all the way, it runs all the way to you. Um, I know. But there's a, there's a graphic representation of what enslavement meant in pre-1865 Louisiana. And it is a horror to behold. Wait a minute. The visitor center from Louisiana to Mississippi? From Mississippi into Louisiana. You're westbound on the 10, and you stop at the Louisiana oh, I Welcome was, Center. I was, the, I was at the visitor center. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. remember, Jen and I... It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of in the back, but yeah, and uh-huh. yeah, and they give away free community coffee, New Orleans roast. Um, but it's 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 one. I mean, I, somewhere back, I, I think from 2017. Well, hold on, I can let me look here because um, I took pictures at the time, and it was because I was just gobsmacked. Uh, take me a minute. By the way, got a note in from, uh, because you may recall on uh, Friday, uh, Matt in San Francisco said that. No, uh, Friday, no Friday, I was I was late. Well, but I mean, every, 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 but, like, yeah, everybody else, but. Um, okay. Um, Matt in San Francisco told us they were hitting the road. Well, actually hitting the air, he and his husband. For the Philippines. So I got a note a little bit okay. ago. If this is live, if you're live, then that means I get to wake up to you while I'm in the Philippines. It's 7 a.m. on Tuesday. We're recovering after basically traveling for a day. 16-hour flight from SFO to uh, uh, to uh, Seoul. Two-hour layover. Three and a half to Manila. One-hour layover, then two-hour flight to our final destination. It's beautiful, tropic, and definitely a bit of a culture shock going on. Don't get me wrong. I'm well aware of poverty, unhoused, etc. was unhoused myself when I first got sober many moons ago. It is a bit different when it's surrounding you. You're walking through it. It's all around the poor infrastructure, the main method of transport being scooters and motorcycles. Although there's a certain honesty to it. The struggle is obvious, the poverty apparent, but the business of living is still vibrant and all around. I've kept up with what's up in America only by checking on the 49ers win and hearing about the latest mass shootings. I think I may not be keeping too close an eye on all of you over there moving forward. Not that I don't care. But I think I owe it to my husband and in-laws to fully experience everything the islands have to offer. The good, the bad, and occasionally ugly. I'll take industrious poor folks over piles of dead bodies in dance clubs this week. Signed, Matt, in Zamboanga. And I get it. Matt, immerse yourself. Uh... You will be the better for it, but I know you know that. You already said so. Um, well, it's like when Jen and I, when Jen and I, when Jen and I went to Panama, um, and my wife, for, you know, she is probably not the most, I don't know, woke person in the world, and. She says stuff that I'm like, no, don't, no, you can't, no. But 
we 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 dig we should you know when Buzz said that should make that left turn in Albuquerque is that what he says or yeah the right turn in Albuquerque or well I made a wrong turn and we were in the basically like what Matt was saying you know I've been un, like him I've been unhoused. Uh, I, you know, and I grew up in poverty and I've seen it, I see it firsthand. What I'm seeing now is that nothing in comparison to what, you know, what's going on, especially on Skid Row and, and just the piles of garbage and stuff like that. But when I went to, when we were in Panama City, it was, a, you know, it was obvious poverty, but these people, were still bustling and going about their, you know, about the, the art and the function of living. They were still, do, they were doing what they had to do to function. And you didn't see, I didn't see, but well, I didn't see, uh, desperation in that poverty. If I didn't see, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having problems, trouble finding the words, but it's, it's a wholly different thing there than it is here. Because there, I guess it's just a part of who they are and they're, you know, but here, when you see, especially all the unhoused here in, in California, I'm sorry, Los Angeles being the fourth largest economy not in the state of California, not in the country of the United, the United States, but in the world, the, the world, y'all, the world. And to see this abject poverty and neglect, knowing that we have the money and the ability to take care of all these people who are unhoused or on and somebody, like they said, they had this a meeting yesterday. I'm sorry, not yesterday, Friday at the city hall, and they passed um, tenant protection. That you know, because the the um, the COVID tenant protections are due to expire on the 31st, so that's what next Tuesday. So these, you know, so it will be if you. No more can a, a landlord evict a um, tenant without cost. Um, they can if they raise their rent more than ten percent, they have to give them money to to move somewhere else. It's not strong enough because they still can they can still evict you without cost in the first six months of your tenancy, which is ridiculous. But after the six months, um, they have to um, they have to show cause. Oh, great! I'm sitting here watching all these LA. It's like one, two, three, four LAPD uh, cruisers flying down Crenshaw. Awesome! And so it's like you know, it's still not strong enough. We need rent control. So here in the city of Los Angeles, if you are occupying a apartment building that was built before 1978, you are automatically under rent control, which means 
your landlord cannot, if they want, to, if they were going to raise your rent, to only raise your rent three percent a year. That's it. But any oh, but also it doesn't also it does not include single family housing. So if you're renting a house, no matter when the house is built, you still your landlord can still raise your rent however much they want. Now, now I gotta. Now that's my next question, and I gotta ask somebody, my contact, one of my contacts that works down at City Hall. When they did this renter, this tenant, you know, thing, did they include single-family houses? Because the the majority of the people who live in Los Angeles are renters. Okay, so I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but I'm trying to get over to the right because. I mean, there's now all these car- police cars flying down Prince. Okay, no, they stopped. They're not going down Prince. They're going up King. Um, but so now I gotta wonder if they also included single-family home houses, because, like I said, the ma- the majority of the people who live in LA are renters because no one can afford to buy a house. Because right. <laughs> Just recently, just a day or so ago, no, this morning actually, I was listening to the news, and they say, well, the housing market, the prices are going down. The median price for a house in California, in Los Angeles, has gone down from eight hundred and forty thousand to eight hundred and thirty thousand. That's one house, Robin. Yeah, see that, and and not a particularly highfalutin house at that, right? No. Not in the least. Not in the least. See, this is this is this is a this is a recipe for the collapse of society. Mm Mhm. That part. And if you want to, if you want to, if you want to see a really good example of it going forward, um, you know those honest government ads that come from uh, the juice media uh, up over down under in Australia that we played from time to time. Uh, No. Well, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they've right. got they've got an ad about um, the housing fuck fuckery in Australia, and it's absolutely maddening. And you know, it's coming here. the goal The goal is I, mean, I was sorry <laughs> digression, but I was crossing the river today, and I've told you I've, I've mentioned on a number of occasions how you know I try to be mindful of the magnificence of where I live. Um, and so today the hills were covered in snow and all the leaves were down and I noticed something the New River Gorge actually the the you know the, the mountaintops along the New River Gorge is are sprouting mansions oh god and they sit right on the rim of the gorge the views must be spectacular but most of these are not for people to live in. They're for people yep. to vacation it's in. It's a rent. Yep. Or, you know, uh, Verbo or Airbnb or whatever. Whatever. And, and, and it, is, it, it, it creates a different view of this magnificent natural wonder. Instead of being a forested, and granted, it was all deforested a hundred years ago. There's not a hundred-year-old tree along the gorge. Uh, 
very likely. But it's it, it, it the raw natural be oh look there's a McMansion. Oh look, there's a pl- there's there's a there's a place where nobody who works for a living in this state can uh, can ever afford. I'm sorry, sis. Welcome to my world. I know. Well, eventually they'll be they'll be perching them on the edges, just like they do on those muddy hillsides in California. Sis, let me tell you, with because you know all that water that we got is like 33 billion gallons of water that that we actually capture. You know, God only knows how. But I mean, there was parts of California. Of, Southern California, I think Ventura and Santa Barbara County, for as an example, got 17 inches of rain. I, I I can't fathom 17 inches of rain. But because of the you know the three the the, the, the three year drought that we have been under, dealing with rather, we are, the, most of it was runoff because the ground was so cake and hard that, you know, all that water just washed into the ocean. And it caused all these mudslides. We're still in L.A. There's the connector from the five south to the, I think it's from the, because this goes along a hillside. So it's the, the five south to the 110 south. And part of the hill, because, you know, one, the hill came, part of the hill came down onto the interchange. And so it has it has wrecked wreaked havoc on traffic because now they gotta go all the there's just no other way to go or they gotta, you know, take the streets or what have you. And the last rain basically stopped a week and a half ago or so and they kept saying it'll be done, it'll be done. Now they're saying if if it won't be done until next week, if they're lucky. We are not equipped for this kind of weather. For the, that, I, I've lived here all my life, sis. You know, soon to be 57 years. And I don't remember it ever, because, I mean, it's been, it has, it was raining basically from New Year's Eve until just last weekend. But, you know, it would stop for a couple of days and then start back up. The streets were flooded because, again, our, you know, we don't have the. And in a know, state that de- and in a state cloth. in a state that deals with drought, high climate change. How are you? Um, right. The thing that when you get 17 inches of rain, it doesn't really relieve your problem. You know, some of it goes into catchments, nope. reservoirs, whatever, but. The, ma- the vast majority of it comes down so fast that the earth can't absorb it, and so it just goes running yep. off. We've got a little experience with yep. that, a, a little bit of experience with that here in West Virginia. Especially in mountaintop no, removal areas. Not, not exactly, because you don't have to, you know, and like... But, like, but, but, but given, yeah, given the problems y'all have with uh, wildfires, the same thing happens when that kind of rain falls on a wildfire area. It doesn't absorb; it just runs off, nope. and commit and 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 it contributes to further erosion. That part isn't science a wonder. 
Yeah, it is. If you pay attention, if you pay attention because, to it. If you pay attention, because it's like you know, just during this, the, you know, on the days that I did work and I worked at the airport, and I, if I got one more idiot, oh, you the drought, you, you know, you got all this rain, that should do something with the drought, and then I have to play, you know, Bill Nye the Science Guy and say no, it does not. It helps, but it, it's going to take at least three years. Of, of weather like we had last this month to do anything to you know I mean like I said it helps don't get it twisted it helps but not enough to, you know like I said, so our our vice president was here last week and she was touring one of the um and sudden I guess it was in Valley one of the parts of uh, the, you know, water capture that we're trying to get oh, for California. And she, you know, touted the fact that the infrastructure bill is, you know, part of the thing that's going to help us build, you know, aquifers and water, you know, gathering, you know, treat, not tre- well, water treatment and all that. So if we get, so if we ever get storms again like this, and we will, because Climate change will actually be able to capture more of the water that can be used to for drinking water, for our crops, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and so forth and so on. Because you know we're coming into like right now we're you know we're still in, I mean winter here is far different from winter in your neck of the woods, but you know in the next month or so we're going to be going into strawberry season. But because of all the damage that the storm did, good luck getting strawberries this year, sis, at least from California. They said the, the, the damage is in the millions, billions probably, because of all, because there was just too much water. And again, our country, our state is not built, of course, our infrastructure is not built for this kind of water. So now, they're they're going to have to think outside the box when it comes to agriculture and water, you know, reclamation and all these other things. And I mean, at least the good news is I do live in California, and we do have a supermajority in our state legislature. So there will be, um, and to the but of course, in, in, in the bone of contention that you know me and just about every progressive California has, the fact that we do have a super majority, but we don't have single payer health care in the state of California. Okay, I said it. I said it. But the fact is that there will be measures taken to you know now. Also, there is also the problem of because. Just because we have a supermajority in our legislature, we still have places like, I don't know where Kevin McCarthy is from, and just about everybody in, in the central part, central California, especially on these farm communities, that's going to, you know, they're going to fight tooth and nail against, you know, change in the way they, they you know, they farm. Because, you know, my rock, this, this, this California, the this. And I'm like, okay, buddy. Too many regulations. 
And this is not the way God intended for us to farm and blow. All that there. Yeah. But, like I said, <laughs> at least I live in California. And so things will happen. I don't know how long it's going to take. But there is, there are things, measures are being, you know, things are happening, are going to happen. And because of our president and the infrastructure bill. So that, I forget how many billions we're getting, but it's a nice hunk of money. That part. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I just hope that eventually one day, and it's not, the only way, you know, back to the, the, the shooting, the mass shooting, it's 36th and counting, and we're not even out of January. We have, what is it, eight more days left in, in um, January 6th? Eight? Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's like when people say their vote doesn't matter, it does. Because the only way we're going to get anything done in this country is to vote these people out. But then again, well, what, but 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 the thing is, money with their mouth is, is the but that yeah, that has that has that has so much. I mean, that's an example of a simple statement being incredibly complex. Oh, incredibly complex. Who's going to I mean, who's go, who's going to vote the, the the maggot Lulus out in Alabama? Right. Who's going to vote the crazies out in Mississippi? Stan. Okay, I've got a I got a thing here. Sorry, we're going to talk about that again because again, this is all the rage in right wing legislatures right now. Um, Mississippi Stan. Now, this isn't some committee thing. This has passed. This has passed the House. It's going to the Senate in the, in the, sta- in the state legislature. Mississippi's House passed a ban on gender-affirming care for trans youth. A new bill would raise the age to 21, define as child abuse, and ban consenting to uh, gender-affirming care. Just outright forbidden actually criminalized because gender-affirming care would then be felony gender disfigurement with a five-year term in, what is it, Parchman State Penitentiary in Mississippi? No. One of the most evil penitentiaries in the entire entire United States, right next to Angola in Louisiana. Louisiana. I have a question. When they say gender disfiguring, are they talking about gender affirming surgery? But you don't—they don't do that for children, do they? I mean, no. But the thing is, they the, no. But they raise the age to 21. See, young people can get gender affirming surgery at 18 because they're not children anymore. They are, you know, the, the, right. the, Mississippi. Mississippi is saying that 18 is fine to go and get blown away in the military, but it's not okay in terms of living your authentic life. So it becomes a five-year felony, just like, you know, this godforsaken bill up here does with me just going to Wally World or 
toilet paper and yogurt. Um, I mean, that's not all, but you get the idea. I get the idea. So, you know, these, 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 you know, who's going to vote those people out in Mississippi? And what right. we what we get here is a problem of a house, you know, what Lincoln was talking about with a house divided against itself. It cannot stand. And for the people who say things like, well, you know, maybe it's time to let, rethink that whole secession thing. Let the South go. And let them let them be their well, own. What about co- the people who live? Right. Well, what I mean, there would be there would be a, there, there would be a mass a mass uh, diaspora, and some people would just, by necessity or by choice, choose to stay there. It would be hell on them. But as you were talking about how we solve this problem, a thought occurred to me. In the in the United States, not Jesus Land, we could have uh, we because not well, <laughs> no, I live in Jesus Land too. But the United States could have laws that said if a single firearm sold in Jesus Land, if you're found in possession of one of those in the United States of America, game over, death penalty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it should be, but at some point in time, we are either going to deal with the problem of epidemic gun violence, or we will simply cease to exist. And we already know from history that uh, the Confederate states cannot get along. Uh, they will they will be balkanized and probably co-opted uh, by other powers. As soon as as soon as they become independent of the United States, because they won't have United States tax money supporting their dead asses anymore. That part. You know, Alabama is a net taker. Mississippi is a net taker. South Carolina is a net taker. North Carolina, the entire Confederacy are taker states, not provider states. And so all of that, and and I'm really in the weeds now, so I apologize. But all of that would then, all of that money that was going to the Texases and the Mississippis and Louisianas and Talabamas, West Virginias, all of that money would then just go to the United States. And think about the things, think about the things California could do with the money that it's already sending to the taker states. Think about the things, the roads, for God's sakes, in New York that could be built if that money was not going to the taker states. Because it costs a lot to maintain roads in states that are too poor to do their own. And like I said, they would be co-opted almost instantaneously because, of course, they would be unable to feed themselves. Right. So you have people moving in like the Koch brothers. Well, no, uh, foreign governments. They'd be... uh, Oh, Oh, Russia, China. China, yeah. China. I mean, it's a it's a it's a horrifying future to ponder. But things like things like uh, the 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 a woman a woman's right to privacy regarding her reproductive system, and every other privacy issue, 
uh, the rights of LGBTQ people to simply live in peace, marry the people they love, etc. All of those, all of those things that that are precious would no longer would no longer exist in the Confederacy in Jesus Land, and hopefully they would be further strengthened in the United States because we would have gotten rid of most of the problem, the vast majority of the problem, in fact. Right. So, like you said, uh, it would be amazing, like you said, what we could do with the infrastructure here. Uh, well, this is the West Coast area, from here to, to Washington, the state of Washington. You know, and we don't, we can't just leave, you know, just include the Confederate, you know, don't forget we got to put in Idaho and, and Iowa. And oh, it's going it, it to, would, it would look like, I mean, it would be wash it would be washington oregon california maybe arizona possibly nevada possibly nevada yeah uh, almost certainly colorado new mexico mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then everything east of that plus idaho north dakota south dakota montana wyoming it's a, it's a, it's a terrifying and and I don't know how you would create a linkage so that you could drive from one end of one end of the the the, the country to the other. Yeah. Because at some point, well, at some point in time, you'd have to drive through. Again, at some point in time, you'd have to drive through Jesus Land. At, you know, so and you know, with this this world that we're that we're talking about, you know, I might be safe to a certain extent. If I left California with my passport to go visit my mom in North Carolina, but I wouldn't want to go because, you know, for fear of what may happen if some some asshole pulls me over. And then, oh, you from California. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. You probably carrying weed. Well, it's like, you and, know. And, and flights, know. you know, like a flight from, and I don't know, but... A flight from L.A. to New York would probably have to fly north along the coast, fly over Canada, and then come and then come down into New York City, so as to stay out of Confederate airspace. As who knows, they might not like our planes and shoot us down because we're entering it. You know, we're we're entering their airspace. Oh my God! Hell of a thing, isn't it? Well, it's, you know, the thing that we don't think, uh, it's like, you know, I don't, I was worried because I finally, by the way, I finally got my, my window fixed. So now I can roll down my driver's side window. But the fact that I had to, I was worried because, you know, L.A. and LAPD, you know, the chances of me getting pulled over, considering how much I'm on the road, it's, it's it's not very great because I'm you know, but chances are I could, and I was I was beyond worried. I was beyond worried because I was afraid that if I get pulled over by LAPD and I cannot roll down my window, even if I have my hands up. Because these are the same motherfuckers that on New Year's Eve threatened to shoot a young black man 
who the only thing he was wrong was he was sitting in his car with his door open and he didn't have, I guess, a license plate or his plates were, his tags were expired and the LA County Sheriff threatened to shoot him in the chest because he wasn't, he had the nerve, he, he had the audacity to ask him what the problem was. And so, the only thing I can think of, I mean, because it's not, it's so much like, well, just roll down the back window. The back window in my minivan, for whatever the reason, does not roll down, which I think it is fun. So it's like, and even then, that might be misconstrued as, as you know, who knows? So I spent the last almost three weeks worried about if I got pulled over and I couldn't roll down my window, what would happen? See, that's the world that I live in now. It's one-way streets. That's the world that I live in now. Dumbass going the wrong way? Yep. That's the world I live in now, sis, that I have to worry that I couldn't roll down my window and what would happen if I got pulled over. This is this is my world. I we now live in a world where now if I go to my go back to church and it's an openly gay church, that I have to worry and, and make sure I know I'm clocking where all the exits are. That's the world that is my reality. Yes. That is my reality. And that of tens of millions of other Americans. You know, and it's, it's, it's like when I was talking to my mechanic about, you know, because it wasn't his fault. He had ordered the part, but ordered the wrong part. It was for a different year um, year of my van. So the part, it didn't work. And I, you know, and he's a, um, he's Ukrainian, but he's white. And I said, yo, Jan, you know, you may not have to think about this, but I, and I said, look, because he was joking, oh, yeah, it's no big deal, blah, blah, blah. I said, it is a big deal. Because, see, you have to remind people of the difference between if I get pulled over or if you get pulled over and somebody else gets pulled over. You know, it's depending on where you are. But no matter where I am, no matter what part of the country I live in or visit or what have you, and I'm driving and I get pulled over, there is a like a high likelihood that I would be I could be shot for no other reason but for being black. And then then the excuses will start. Well, you know, she didn't comply, she should have did this. Like, you know, I was saying that there's been 36 mass shootings so far this year. Well, in the city of Los Angeles, LAPD has shot and killed three black men already this year, all of which were unarmed. All of all three, from what I understand, were having mental health crises. crises. And so Michael Moore, who is the, the, the chief of police, and his contract is up for renewal 
um, who who uh, prematurely said that Karen Bass was going to renew his contract. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, but during, I told you, like, during the primary um, for the, the um, uh, for city, for LA Mayor, the city of LA Mayor, mayoral race, the police protective league or whatever they're called, I call them the cartel, because they're not a police union, they're a fucking cartel. They put four million dollars into the camp, into the campaign for Rick Caruso. And so you do you, I, I hope and pray that if Karen Bass goes straight up gangster and does not renew Michael Moore's um, contract, that would, you know how much, how much play, how much love she will get from the black community? Because it's like, you know, she did campaign on increasing a police presence in Los Angeles, which did her did her no favors within the progressive community, okay, especially Black Lives Matter. And so if she, because it's her decision as to who becomes the next chief of police. Is it, the chief of police in the city of L.A., LAPD, is not, not unlike the sheriff, it is not an elected position. You are appointed. You serve at the pleasure of the mayor of Los Angeles. Yeah. So I hope she says, Fangu, motherfucker, you and your police union, you, they couldn't have put $4 million to campaign against my happy black ass unless you approved of it. Okay? So you really think that I'm gonna re, I'm gonna renew your contract. Kiss my ass. So that's what I hope she says, and what I hope she does. I don't know if it will happen, but baby, I am hoping that it does because he needs to go. I don't know if you remember uh, about a year or so ago, he went to Paris with his own security detail. What the fuck do you need a security detail in Paris for? Okay? And apparently his security detail went rose and and him up some Parisian. Wait, why? Yes. He there was um there was an incident or something, I forget what it was, but he basically went to Paris and showed his ass and his security details. So my thing is, and, a, and there's, been, there's been other incidences. It's not, I don't think he is as bad. I mean, the thing is, I don't know. He he doesn't, he's not like, you know, Villanueva was, where he's just like, yeah, I know this is the law, but I'm not going to abide by it because fuck you. I don't think he's ever done that. But his handling of police shootings and his and his non-action, especially when it comes to um, getting see when they do, you know, we had this big thing, and they had, you know, the LAPD had to wear body cams. Well, the problem is this: yes, they wear them. Yes, they record, you know, what stuff is happening. But unfortunately, once we get the footage, it's been edited. 
So you don't see what really went on. There is, and I'll send it to you, there's like, a, there's like five demands that Black Lives Matter Los Angeles are asking for when it comes to police reform. Um, one of them is, you know, unedited, un, unedited and undoctored body cam footage, police, uh, what, no police in schools or in, you know, in play, and, and when it comes to, because the one man, the young man that they tased to death, it was a traffic accident. And he had complied. He was down. They only had to, they handcuffed him. What more do you need to do to taste him? I forget how many times, but to taste him so many times that he dies? And then the response is, well, we didn't use lethal force. But he may not have been, he may not have shot the brother, but he's still dead. Right? Ah. It's yeah, it's mad, it's mad, and what will the level of accountability be? Right. Oh, that's another thing. Will it, I mean, will it will it be a murder one charge, or will it be fucking manslaughter? Hmm. If anything, trying, and that's a, if anything, well, that's another demand is to get rid of qualified immunity. Basically, and we both know qualified immunity is just a fancy way of saying. We can shoot you and, 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 and get away with it. We can kill you and get away with it. That's all qualified immunity is. Kill you dead and good luck getting any, you know, and, and there will be nobody will be held accountable for it. That's it. Simple. Oh, I'm driving down Century Boulevard, and there's still a sign about the the, the college football game that says Fort Worth Crowd, TCU, Central Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. I think they need to take that down. What you think? <laughs> Isn't that a, a, a just a? Because how fast did, did Georgia beat TCU? Was it just? No, oh, it was sixty-five. It was sixty-five to seven. It was bad. Don't bring this up. It'll hurt Joy's, Joy and Ann Arbor's feelings. She's still okay. grieving. <laughs> See, this is because you know I don't really care about sports, but I'm married to somebody who loves the Dodgers and the Lakers. So I've I've seen how she gets how it affects her. You know when the Dodgers and the Lakers lose, so. You know, you know, she she goes into mourning and stuff, and it's just when I see this, and I'm like, honey, really? Okay, okay, I, I understand your pain, but again, and and you know, me being me, it's like it's just a game. But then again, like I said, these are the things that I don't particularly care about. Uh, I guess you know, because it's just not my jam. But anyway. I know it's almost time to go, and I'm pretty sure there must be somebody else that wants to run. I, I've been ta- we've been talking the whole time, um, and I can't think of anything else to say because I'm not. My brain is just. Oh, I start my second semester of grad school tomorrow. Yay! Ooh, ooh, semester one is over. That's right. 
Semester one down, four to go, six, four to go. You're gonna Woo-hoo! get there. <sighs> <sighs> We're trying. I'm, you know, it is, it, it, it is, it is, it is, it is. But anyway, I love you so much. You have a wonderful rest of the day, evening, and all that good stuff. I'm gonna try. And I hope. You know, you, that's what, you know, we gotta stop saying we're gonna try. We just gotta, we just gotta own that. One day at a time. One day at a time. Right. One day at a time. Although, I, I gotta tell you, but, this is a story. I, okay. I, I, every now and then, you get a little message from the universe that maybe you're doing mm-hmm. things right. Okay. And I got one of those messages yesterday. Uh, I walked into the okay. gro- I walked into the grocery store, and I've been having you know. I'm one of I'm one of those people, especially now. Uh, Annette is forever telling me, you know, you were never this nice before. But okay. I, I, I but I try to I, I try to I try to be kind. And I try to have a smile on my face because I'm happy. Genuinely, all the way down to my toenails, happy. And so I try to bring a little of that into other people's lives. No, not, 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 not tooting my own horn or anything. It's just, it's who I am now. Kind. This is a, this is a short life. If we lived to be a thousand years yes. old, it would still be a short life. On a planet that's got a few more billion years before it gets burned up by the sun, however much life we live, we're going to spend a hell of a lot longer being dead. Yeah. And so, I, and so I, I am a, I'm in a place where you know happiness. It's like that poem by Robert Frost: "Happiness makes up in height for what it lacks in length." And I'm a living example of that. Oh, that's good. Oh, I'll send you the poem. Um. But it's true. Happiness makes up in height for what it lacks in length, and you can ponder that all day long. I don't mean you, but I mean everybody. Anyway, um, I talk to the people there. They say hi, Robin, and I say hi back. And people seem happy to see me. And so I was talking. I was talking to this one young woman who was, uh, you know. She, she was there at the, at the register and paying, you know, paying for my groceries and everything. And she said, you know, you're my favorite customer because you've always got something kind to say. You've always got something uplifting. You're all, you're funny. You make me laugh. And I said, well, that's really sweet. Thank you. And then last night, I, I, I walked into the grocery store. And um, said hey to her, and she said hey back. And I went on, you know, looking for the stuff that I'd forgotten to get at the other grocery store, because that's a thing that happens. And when I came, oh, yeah. to, and when I came to check out, she po- she had just checked out one customer, and she popped around and said, "Just a second and put her own debit card into the uh, in, into the th- and and. 
paid for something, and then she was hastily writing on an envelope. I get done. I get done paying for my groceries, and she hands me the envelope on it with my name on it. And I said, she said, just something for you. And I said, oh my God, thank you. I said, I'm not going to open this here because I don't want to cry happy tears in the store. Because no. these are not things that ordinarily happened in my previous life. And so I took my groceries. I went out to the store. I went out to the car and I opened. I opened the envelope and I pulled out. A, and I've got it in my hand here because it's just. So, this is just so sweet. Um, it's a card. A note to say congratulations and to express good wishes to that life will always hold the very best for you. Thank you for being a great customer. Love, in her name. And in it was a gift card. And the gift card says, Happy Her. And it's usable at like Macy's, Cheesecake Factory, Panera Bread, Sephora, Ulta, Under Armour, Pete's Coffee, Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, girly stuff. And it just absolutely made my, well, it made my week. It may, it may, may it make my month. And it'll, it, it's something I will remember for a very, very long time. I hope forever. It was just the sweetest thing. And, and, and I, I, I mean, it, it kind of put a little spring in my step all day long today. You're talking about, you know. And I said one day at a time, but truly, moments like that are rare and sweet. And like I said, it feels like you know just a little bit of a, a little bit of an affirmation from the universe. That one little interpersonal connection, just going through a grocery store line, and it just—I guess that people do love you, sis. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. And I, I mean, and, and and so I got out of the car and I walked back into the store and I looked at her and said, "You know, you're wonderful." And she said, "No, you are." And I said, "Thank you." She said, "Thank you," because she had talked to me. She said, "You would be surprised how mean people can be." Coming through the checkout line, and I know you were, and I mentioned this because I know you were a checker at, at, at Ralph's. Oh yes. And you know how shitty. But it was the eighties. People were a lot. People were like a lot more polite back in the eighties. Well, I don't know why anybody would. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why anybody would be shitty in the checkout line, you know. But I guess Is they are. Shitty too. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, people are shitty to me as a as a as a cab driver. What is what does that accomplish? I mean, I guess this is our word from unity moment today, but or or our sermonette or whatever. But what does that accomplish? Being mean to somebody. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And we got some discriminatory shit going on. I'm at the ho I'm at the holding lot. Um, <laughs> well, after I finished talking to you, I was going to go to the bathroom, but all the entrances are closed to the women's bathroom. So, where am I supposed to go to the bathroom, sis? What the fuck? 
So when I get up here to the line, just another case, my, just another case of the man keeping a girl down. Right. It's like seriously. So what? I'm not being sarcastic. No, I mean, just because I have a penis, I mean, I mean, I don't have a penis, but I can't go pee. I was going to say, Please. wait, Tracy, oh. is there something you want to tell me, hon? Uh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, because I don't have a penis. Well, you know, right, because... Because, I mean, of course, the men's bathroom is open. Uh-huh. I would not rec oh. I would not recommend you use that. Why is it closed? I mean, is there a caution sign? You know, well, it's not, well see what it is. They're doing. They're doing some work. Atención, piso mojado. I mean, what? I don't. I don't know. I'm like. I assume that so means like said, that means caution, wet floor, because that's what the other side of the yellow sign says. Right, but no, it's just that it's not even that. What it is is there's like there's two different there's two sets of bathrooms. And so, uh, but the, it, but the, to get to where the, the women's bathroom that works, it's not, I can't get to it. It's all roped off. It's, it's, it's like they're doing, like they're painting or something on the, uh, or doing some work in, on the stairway or whatever. And I'm like, motherfucker, so when am I, how am I supposed to go to the bathroom? And again, it's not like I could walk behind the building and cop a squat. No, you'd be arrested. You, uh, uh, let's out. let's be very clear. You'd be arrested for that. That part. And besides, that's where a lot of the, the Muslim brothers go to pray to Mecca. So that won't be happening. Oh, my God. It's, it's just. Again, because this is a male-dominated business, who cares if the women can go to the bathroom? Oh! I'm sorry for yelling. Oh. I understand. Well, you have a great night. It's, you too, baby. I love I you. I hope you find a potty. Oh, I, well, once I get out of this holding lot, I can go to the L.A. exit holding lot where there are bathrooms. So I'll be fine, but that's not the point. I should be able to go to the bathroom here. <sighs> Welcome to my fucking world. I love you. I love you. You have a good night. You too, baby. Good night. All right. See ya. And so there we are. Um, God, we've been busy tonight. Uh, all over the place. But... Seeing as how, well, let just one story for a kicker, because I am at, you know, when you when you cover, then you know I've been to, you know I've covered county commission meetings and trials and the like, and um, by the way, Jude just sent a note. This is sweet. Um, in regard to the story I told a minute ago. When we practice loving kindness and compassion, we are the first ones to profit. And that is, of course, from Rumi, the great uh, Sufi. No, not Sufi. Uh, oh, what's the other sect? Mystical. Never mind. But Persian poet. Um, Jude says, being in one's authentic awakened core is a great gift. It is, and I feel like I've received one. It's beautiful. 
now since we've covered a bunch of other legal court stuff, like I was saying, when you when you cover this stuff, you know you know anything can happen, but you don't. But you still get surprised, and so I feel kind of I, I feel kind of cringy for anybody who has to who had to cover the uh, Proud Boys trial today. Because, uh, you know, the, the, they're on trial for seditious conspiracy. One hopes that they will go away for a very long time after they're found guilty. One hopes that they're felt, found guilty. Well, one of the uh, one of the proud boys who's on trial is an asshole by the name of Zach Rell. Uh, his pettifogger is a lawyer named Carmen Hernandez. And with a witness on the stand, lawyer Carmen Hernandez began querying this person about the rules of being a proud boy. Ouch. Um, You know how I've talked in the past about how easily uh, incels and MGTOWs and men's rightsers are co-opted into these extremist right-wing fascist uh, movements. Here's your proof. The Proud Boys have a rule book. And, you know, that rule book doesn't just cover how to run street brawls with people that you want to go and beat the shit out of. The Proud Boys actually claim to regulate the sexual behavior of their members. And these freaks in the incel movement and the and the MGTOWs, they're absolutely obsessed with sexual performance. And so it turns out today that the reporters and you know kind of feel bad for the judge feel bad for the jury there's nobody i feel bad i don't feel bad for except the goddamn defendants the fucking fascists today they were subjected to a reading from the proud boy manual and it was read into the record when this case is appealed the United States Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia will have to consider this and brain bleach. Read into the record today was a statement from the manual, a proud boy may not ejaculate along more often than once every 30 days. That means he must abstain from pornography during that time And if he needs to ejaculate, it must be within one yard of a woman with her consent. The woman may not be a prostitute. And you can't cheat and get around it by having a Zoom call with your wife. They even regulate their married members' sexual behavior. Now, Norm Pattis, whom Darlene in Connecticut has told us about, who is a real gross dude and has been unlicensed in the state of... Well, he had his license suspended in the state of Connecticut. Norm Pattis is representing uh, proud boy Joe Biggs. And even Norm Pattis, who is as gross as they come, 
went on Twitter to say, did we really talk about masturbation in the Proud Boys trial today? Well, yes, they did, because these people are weird-ass freaks. And this is verging on Dr. Strangelove territory. Purity of essence. Precious bodily fluids. God. And these are the people who think that they're, 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 they're fit to run our lives and our country. It reminds me of that old joke. Uh, 50% of teenage boys admit to masturbating. The other 50% are lying. What... Do, do, do they think they're the Knights Templars? These fuck these fuckers are weirder than the weirdest kinksters out there. They could they could make an orgy blush. Sorry, I just since we had all the other court cases, I just wanted to put that one in sort of a little bow on it. Politico's Kyle Cheney described the testimony as cringy. Oh, to say the least. It's, Jesus. <sighs> um, oh, well, that's the program. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Thanks to our a la carte uh, contributors. This was a goose egg evening, but that's okay. Um, I hope you enjoyed more in Monday. Thank you to uh, each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thank you to Sparky and Roger in the chat room. Thank you. To our news ninjas, thank you. Brother Deacon Ace, I head on dot live. Remember, brand new fresh Malloy on the way. Well, maybe. I'm having some technical problems. Uh, probably won't have a Malloy program this evening at 9. We're working on correcting that. Um, but remember, when you're listening to this program, however you listen to it, please like, please subscribe, please leave a comment, tell your friends. Let's build this community, this extremely unique, wonderful community. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia and a proud union shop. Stay safe, get your booster, get your flu shot. Maybe we'll be out of flu season soon, but we're not going to be out of COVID season. Wipe down your surfaces, help stop the spread of RSV. There may be a vaccine for that next year, we hope. Wear that mask. It's vitally important. Public spaces, anywhere that Maggots are out hacking and coughing and spreading disease. Mm. 
Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Use your hand sanitizer. Carry it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance 15 to 20 feet, like Paul from Parts Unknown says, and he would know. And, you know, the proud boy comes towards you talking. Well, never mind. You you know the story. Avoid that fascist shitbird like the plague. Because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Later.